Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Like, say I want to see what you're doing and who you're hanging with, and you're not posting about it on your story. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You do that? No, I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends, and then use that money to buy something at a store with Apple Pay. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. JLab Audio is personal tech designed for you that fits your life, looks cool, and offers surprisingly awesome value. Imagine the products and features you actually want and make sure the entire experience of owning them is a great one. A new legacy in sound. JLab's new luxury over-ear headphones. Seamlessly blending innovation and lab-quality sound. Over here at Fake Doctors, real friends, we love our JLab Audio headphones. They feature over 70 hours of playtime, four different colorways to choose from, and three noise control modes. Use Real Friends for 25% off your order. Visit jlab.com to find your kind of tech. Did you know that 46% of us don't take all our vacation days? Even though it's been proven that taking time off to play makes us more productive. In California, no matter where you go, you'll find play. Explore a redwood forest, immerse yourself in art galleries, or just park yourself in a beach chair and chill. Play is everywhere in California, so take some well-deserved playtime off and discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hey, it's Donald, and Kind Snacks has six new flavors for you to crave. Flavors like rosemary, strawberry, jalapeno, and raspberry. Each of the six flavors is made with number one ingredient seeds or nuts and has fruity or savory flavors depending on what you're craving. They're gluten-free with five to six grams of protein in every bar. Nutritious snacking doesn't have to be all blah and boring. The bar for people who love real food. Try all the flavors. Shop on Amazon today. I said, there's no way, <laughs> no way I could get to dun, 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 without falling down that ramp. All right, there's now no you, way. What Donald's singing, you may know uh, if you're an avid listener of Fake Doctor's Real Friends, that Donald and I are big fans of a songify moment. Um, we, we sang, uh, he's driving in your window, he's climbing in your window, they snatching your people up. Uh-huh. Hide, your, hide your kids, hide your wife. Well... I, we are a sucker for Song of Five Moments, and I sent Donald what is probably the greatest song of the summer. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's, it's my new bop, as da- Dan, say. you're going to have to edit this in uh, sounding better than I have okay. it, but I have to play this for you. And I got to give a shout-out to these guys. Oh, they're called the Gregory Brothers, you guys. You can find them on, on Twitter, at Gregory Brothers. And they're and a song. Yeah, go ahead, Donald. I just want to say, I didn't know, first of all, I had no idea that Donald Trump was a poet. Cause uh, he's a poet. He rhymes in his speeches, and I didn't even know. Listen, Donald and I have been talking about back and forth, sometimes with you, sometimes privately on our phone, about what are our favorite songs of summer. We've been talking about T Swift. We've been, you know, we played you uh, Toby Sebastian uh, last Ooh. episode. But listen, this is the song of the summer, you guys. And <laughs> Donald and I have been singing it to each other. Okay, now for those of you who don't know, uh, Donald Trump had trouble making it down a ramp. Uh, you know, I don't fault the guy. I mean, I fault him for lots of things. But, you know, he's in his 70s. There was no banister. But then he had to go brag about it, okay? He had to go brag about it. And these guys songified the bragging. So here you go. Here's the song of summer. There's no way. There's no way. I can make it down that ramp. Uh-huh. Without falling on my ass. 
Yeah. There's no <laughs> way. Hey. There's oh, no my God. Now wait for the hug, Joel. I don't want that. No way, fire! No way, fire! Wait, wait for this part. Here we go again. Here we go. Inch by inch. I ran. Down the ramp. That's the part, favorite. I ran. Everybody goes down the ramp. I ran. Down the ramp. God, I love that song, you guys. I ran. That's my favorite oh my hook goodness. right there. Yeah. I ran down the ramp. I that's that's a hook. Fucking, fucking DJ Khaled couldn't write that hook. Another one. He would, but he would, you know, he heard that like all of us did and was like, damn, that's a so pop. I never heard a songify song that I wanted a full song to. That's only a minute long. I want the whole fucking song. I ran down I said, the ramp. There's no I can, wait, I can, I can make down it down, down, that, down ramp. that ramp without falling on my ass. There's no <laughs> way. And then he goes, I ran. I ran. <laughs> down the ramp. So congrats to those Gregory brothers. That's a that's a that's a bop, as the that kids is a say. Bop. Dude, that is a bop. How are you, man? Oh man. I ran. Everyone's gonna be singing that. You know what everybody's singing, other than that song? What you trying to get into, Adele Shun? What you trying to do? It is a ringtone, yo. It's a ringtone. Joelle, is it officially available for everybody? It should be. By the time this airs, it should officially be available. Those of you who are clamoring, clamoring for the the hottest ringtone of summer, the Adele Shun song. Look at your beard. You that is a big. Beard. I, I committed to it. I did. But you look commitment. great. It looks thick and it's and very. Yeah, I got hair on my face. Does Casey like to run her fingers through it? Me and Casey don't be. You know, listen, man. We don't like to kiss and tell. Okay. Oh. So well, you don't have to tell me what you did sexually, but you can tell me if she ran her fingers through it. <laughs> I'm not asking you if she fucking let you spank her, but did you? Oh my god. <laughs> Inappropriate. I Ooh. ran down the ramp. <laughs> No, we're family. Casey Casey lets me know things. No, she doesn't. She does. She does. My wife tells you shit. Word. No, no, you know she okay. doesn't. But but you know, when we're together, when we're together as 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 couples, we sometimes speak openly. Right. It's crazy, man, with this whole quarantine thing going. We see each other every day. Right. All day. All day. Um I love my wife tremendously. Mm-hmm. But once we put the kids down, we kind of separate a little bit, and we go in our own rooms, and she watches her datelines, and, mm-hmm. you know, I watch my... Uh... It's just like this episode that we're going to talk about. Well, this episode is... You fall um... asleep. Judy wants romance. Carla yeah. wants romance, and she wants some sex. You fall asleep during the Jefferson's theme song. Yeah, but yeah, but that's after we have sex, though, first of all. I don't know. So is the joke that you only lasted the length of the theme song to the Jeffersons? I, no, he didn't even last the length of the theme song. It was like, well, here, we're moving on. He probably got beans unfried in the kitchen, beans unburned on the grill. He probably got to that. Yeah, and then he finished. And he's like, 
took a whole lot of trees. <laughs> because you're right, because you now we know you finished in the first couple of lyrics, because by the time we get to sky, the camera tilts He's down out. and you're asleep. Right. So you needed time to at least clean yourself up so and snuggle up. Took a whole lot of trees. Yeah, now let's assume you finished it trying. Now we up in the big league. Okay, now you're cleaning yourself up. Get my turn at back. Kind of cuddling up to her. As long as we living, it's you and me, baby. Ain't nothing wrong with that. We've been moving on. Moving on up. Oh, okay. I think he might have lasted longer. I think he might have lasted longer because if you back time it, you only need about a few words to get cuddly and fall asleep. Okay. So took a whole lot of two. Yeah, find a, find a later spot for your ejaculation. Then found we up in the big league. Get my turn at bang! No. <laughs> no, I think no. it came at, ain't Get nothing wrong with that! <laughs> Get my turn at bat. As long as we living, it's you and me, baby. It ain't nothing wrong with that! <laughs> I said we're moving on up. No, that's probably how it timed out. Yeah. That's probably how it timed out. I well, welcome to out. Fake Doctors Real Friends. We have Johnny C. McGinley here today for a very, very, very good episode. I just watched it. It's really good. Yeah, I watched it also uh, just now. I watched it, and I don't think I need a... Uh, first of all, before we get it, we should five, six, seven, eight. stories about a show we made About a bunch of docs and nurses And a janitor who loved to hate I said, here's a story Thunderous applause. Thunderous applause, Dan. Well, Turn hello, your key, sir. Donald. Turn your key. <laughs> Hi, Zachy. Look at you. Look at hey, you. How are you, sir? You're back in your I'm echoey fine. room. You're back in your echoey room, Johnny. I know because Nicole has a migraine. She's upstairs. And when she gets them, they're blackout. And so. Oh, no. That's horrible. I, I, yeah. It's uh, the worst thing on the planet. But I am down here. And um, I'm really sorry that. That that we have the echo, but I can't go up there. Well, listen, the audience is so fucking excited whenever you come on. I think they will uh, they will handle an echo because yeah. all we get on our on our social media is when is Johnny C McGinley coming back on? You're everybody's favorite guest. Everybody loves your story of your leeches attacking your your what did you call it your your man your my man power, power source power source. source. <laughs> uh. Johnny, I laugh all and the time. And it latched on to the power source. Yes, the, the, there were leeches all over his power source. I I thought the last couple of guests you've had on were fascinating. I thought uh, Brendan was just so interesting. And it's always fun to listen to how geeked out you guys get, whether yeah. it was with Heather, because, Zach, you were clearly uncomfortable. And yeah, I understand I, <laughs> that completely. Dude, I want the audience to know that I tried my best, but I was, I mean, I grew up and she was like, she probably was a poster on my wall. I mean, she was Heather fucking Locklear. And I may be 45 years old, but I was just as giddy. Yeah, she's fine. I, I completely appreciate that because when she was on the set and I was very single, um, yeah. I did, I, 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 I no sooner even occurred 
occurred to me to approach her that way because she was something else. Yeah, yeah, she's added it. She's but like, there you were, dude. There you were having uh, sex scenes with uh, with a goddess, with a living goddess. I was that was acting. That was I was too. That was out of my weight class, man. Totally <laughs> kind out of, of my like kind class. of like JD hitting on Gibbs. First of all, there's nothing. Sarah Lancaster. I'm watching cow. this fucking episode, and um, J- the idea of of JD getting Sarah Lancaster a who plays gift shop girl and then B not being able to uh, be get a hard on for her. I just found unrealistic television. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but I call bullshit on this writing. First of all, it's written by uh, Angela uh, Nissel and uh, directed by Gail Mancuso. Angela Nissel. Wait, I I have to, I have to, I have to stop before we go any further. I looked at 209. You looked at the wrong episode. Yep. That. Okay. Well, Johnny. I think you guys should start over without me because I have no idea what 210 is. <laughs> I have copious notes on 209. Uh, Which one's 209? 209's when you, uh, you and I have the, my favorite scene we ever did together. When I tell you it wasn't a favor, it was my job at the end of the episode. Oh, I love that. Um, wait, how do we salvage this, Johnny? Because we're so excited to have you on. Well, I know how we can salvage it because I had an overriding angle that I wanted to look at. And it's inspired by what you guys have told me and Uptown Girls and uh, some of your um, adventures in New York City when you guys were in that apartment. What happened between season one and season two? since I haven't talked to you since the end of season one, mm. um, for me, yeah. was that I had a, uh, a C-plus comedy come out with Jason Lee and Tom Green called Stealing Harvard. And I spent the entire hiatus, and Jackie, you came to visit me at Columbia, uh, mm. doing Identity with James Mangle. Right. And, uh, it, and I would suggest to you that what we do in our hiatuses informs what we do when we get back in front of the lens. Mm-hmm. And that you bring that, either those assets or liabilities with you, and, and it informs the way you grow in front of the lens. Yes, I, I agree. But wait, wait, how are you saying that this informed um, when we came back together for season two? Because what I brought, having spent those... I don't know, nine weeks with Jim Mangold, you know, I'm Mr. Verb and my overriding objective in season two was to contribute. Mm. And then this counterintuitive thing happened where I wanted to, I, to Cox, I wanted to contribute by capitulating in front of the lens. And I'll tell you what I mean. I, I was starting to get too busy at the end of uh, season one and intoxicated with the eccentricities of of all the, the craziness and, and what happened on identity, which was the name of the film that Jim directed uh, with, with Johnny and Ray and, and Amanda was that everything just kept getting stripped down. Molina, all these people, he just kept stripping stuff down. And it occurred to me that I was bringing too much baggage in between action and cut. And so what it decided was that what the capitulation would be, would, would be that I was going to get out of the way. And at no point was it more on point 
than when you and I were in that doctor's lounge at the end of 209, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and you you had been chesty, the, you, the, JD had been chesty the whole episode. And finally, they, they, they get to come together and Cox lets him off the hook. But in letting him off the hook, there's a surrender in that too. There's a capitulation. And it's just the, it's the cleanest scene I can remember hmm. that, that I can remember. I can't remember, you know, like Donald and I, Jack, you have a better memory than us, but I can't remember all this stuff. But I agree, Johnny, because one of the things I said when we talked about that was the episode was so, uh, you know, the show is so uh, silly and can be and, and, and can go all over the place in fantasies. But what I, I'm so proud of in this show when it worked was how we would just drop in and be straight. And and that scene with you and I uh, in, in in that room to me is is one of the best of of the series. And it's so it's so simple. It's probably forty five second scene, but I think you and I I was so vulnerable and you were so vulnerable. And 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 up to this point, there's been there's been almost no maybe once or twice you give in. Cox gives in and and and, and is willing to give him some some mentorship. But this was a real. First time I think that Cox is this vulnerable in, in in front of him, telling him that it's his. This is my job. My job is to make sure you don't fuck up. But there's also the, it's a it's a combination, and you as a filmmaker surely will appreciate this, and Donald as well, is that the, the scene starts out with this great dolly over your shoulder, and then we land on Cox, and that fucking great mu music cue already started when Donald jumped off the couch to go put Rowdy on the fourth floor. And it's it's under pressure with Queen and Bowie, mm. and just everything. And and I can't remember. I think Larry Trilling shot it, mm. and ev everything that could come together in a in a twenty four minute um, TV show came together. And that doesn't always happen. And when it does, and it shouldn't happen. It's impossible. The schedule's impossible, and everything's is working against you. And when it does, yeah, it's magic. Yeah. It's so fun too when those moments happen in 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 both uh you know as an actor you you you, you just kind of go at it all the time and sometimes magic happens and sometimes it doesn't and then there's moments both as an actor and a director where you're watching something I remember I was directing Wish I Was Here and there was this great scene between Manny Patinkin and Kate Hudson and and there was supposed to be this moment where they connected and 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 all of a sudden at the monitors it just I I was watching them and it just magic happened and. Kate had a single tear uh, uh, just trickling down her eye. And then instead of stopping talking, she just ad-libbed this extra line uh, and she swiped her tear away kind of like nonchalantly, like she didn't want Manny Patankin to see the moment. And it was just one of those moments where you're like, holy shit, like something special just happened that was way better than what was in my mind. I feel that way about a lot of things in Scrubs that we did. Like we're, we're um, oftentimes it was about comedy. We were all riffing together and, there'd be some funny thing we'd all come up with. But then, um, but this is one of those moments that you're talking about where it was like, just, just, just so much better than, than what we could even imagine was on the page. But I had to go away for the summer and maybe Donald, you'll know what I'm talking about with, because I heard you talking to Heather about the film you guys did. When you, when you go away, what happens is, and Donald, you'll appreciate this in, in kind of a, a sports metaphor. If if you if you shoot ten thousand free throws, you will get better at free throws. And if you stay in front of the lens, even when you're on hiatus, if you stay in front of the lens, 
you'll stop acting and start behaving. And, and it's not semantics. They're two different things. And especially if you have a taskmaster who, who's creative like Jim Mangold, who's not only going to keep you in front of the lens, but he's just going to keep stripping stuff down. And what I mean by stripping stuff down is that actors always want to add an eccentricity. They want to they add a limp or a lisp or a, or a tick or, or some, some kind of eccentricity. And Jim wanted them all out, out out he went rain was a character in the story deal with the rain and i always like when actors have to deal with cold dark and rain because everything goes away and they just start behaving if it's four o'clock in the morning if you're shooting nights the the production is added rain it's freezing out and it's four in the morning everybody stops acting and yeah. they just start saying their lines and scenes start to click because people, people want to get through the scene, like the yeah. people in the scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. And I remember one of these times happened, and I can't remember the episode. I'm almost positive you were pulling the trigger, Zach, when Molly Shannon came on. Yeah, that's, and that's we Donald and I talk about that episode all the time. It's my my favorite one because my first time directing. I'm standing across the room from her. And she's lovely and all that, but she's a comedian. And I, I don't know what kind of chops she has. And then she finally tells me why she's so kooky. And we find, about her, we find out about her loss and, and what the actor, when she went in and dug out, was the stuff that dreams are made of for the lens. And it, I was standing there watching her. And we didn't do that many takes because she crushed it. And, and she brought her... She brought her off-screen life into that. That wasn't on the page. Mm. The the where she went wasn't on the page. Mm. I you know Johnny, I definitely agree with you about working uh, during your hiatus. It keeps you in a rhythm. I feel like I feel like toward the end of every season uh, when we were making the show, we would find our rhythm and we would be all of a sudden clicking. And it was be and it was just like you said, it became it was no longer about. Uh, let me act the shit out of it. Let me say to my lines, I don't want to be here until fucking, you know, midnight tonight. Let me say my lines and let the work do its job. Let the work make it happen. And I think when you go away and you do another project and you get excited again, that same thing fuels you for when you go back to work the next year. Now you're in a rhythm. And so that energy that you had at the end of the season where you're like efficient and you're trying to make it happen like in one take and right away because you're, you know... You're, you you don't want to be there late and you, and you want to be looked at as a as a professional and when you do that all summer long when you come back in in the beginning you don't have the rusties you don't have the I'm nervous about what I've been doing you know what I mean it's like you Fuck were training it's like you were training all summer yeah no you question. walk in and you're like right you walk in and you're like look check out my six pack you know what I mean Wait, I have a question for you guys as both a uh, actor and a director I wish as an actor I would have had more directors push me to be better. I oh God, feel like here. I feel like throughout my career, there've been a few, but mostly it's been about stand here, the camera's going to come here. Do you want to go again because maybe you should be a little angrier as opposed to like taking me in the corner and being Absolutely. like here I want to put a fucking thought in your head. And I wonder Johnny cuz you you can be an intimidating fellow. I wonder did Mangold was he able to to, to do that to you, did he, I mean, Oliver Stone, you've worked with, I mean, you've worked with Fincher, you've worked with the legends of the world. Have these guys been able to, to do that to you? Have they, have, have they done that to you? 
And well, of course, Oliver's, Donald, I want to know your answer too, but I, you know, we'll start with uh, Oliver's, Oliver's school of directing uh, comes with consequences. And so if, you, if you're doing something that's not, um, isn't necessarily what Oliver had in mind, he'll yell from Video Village, which is a, an area away from the set where the director and the, and, the, and the people who are producing the film are watching it. He'll yell from Video Village, McKinley, walk with me. And that just means uh, you're going to go for a walk. And then he tells you that you're subverting my vision and you're fucking me. Really? And you're like, oh, God. He did it in the Philippines. He did it, it down in, on Wall Street. He, did it, he does it everywhere. You're fucking me. You were better when you, I always read actors for him. And he goes, you were better when you were reading the actors, but now you're fucking me. And you're like, oh my God. Oh my it's God. It's horrifying. How do you not the, get it? How do you then not spiral, Johnny? Because I feel like there's a fine line between taking you in the corner and, and being, and being constructive and being like, you got this man, but I want you to dig deep and do this and being like, you're fucking me. I can't imagine. I would be so spiraling in my head. I, I don't know. I guess it all started in the Philippines and I just wasn't going to, there was nowhere to go. We were 10,000 miles from home. And so I guess you got to rally. I don't fucking know. And the opposite did you, of did that you is, tell me this? Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. The opposite of that is Catherine Bigelow on, on Point Break. You know, we did that opening. Fucking great movie, Johnny. Great fucking minute. movie, Johnny. Remember when it was the, those, uh, one of those steady cams? they used to weigh about eight, 80 pounds and all the big Aussie guys used to be the operators. And in the beginning of that film, there's about a five or six walk, minute walk and talk where Keanu and I are doing all the expository who, what, where, when, how for the whole movie. We're just, just spewing, spewing. I don't stop talking. And, and we did it 36 times. I think she printed like four, 18 and, and 36. And of course, four was the one that was in the movie. And it's just a wonder. And it's just, Scrubs made it look second nature because we did those but at the time when we were doing it it was a big deal and you know all the way through the bowels of the fbi with this with this steadicam and Catherine would just come over and uh she's the single most supportive person in the history of the planet mm -hmm. but the bottom line was we're going again <laughs> like, she would never okay. say anything to you she would never say anything uh, no she's just the greatest she's like you're, you're crushing this you're crushing this i'm like well and I always know when we have it. I what about, swear to God. What I about do. you, Donald? Like when you worked with like Boaz or, or did, 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 did they give you, did you ever get like tough direction, but also that like made you dig deeper? Um, yeah, you know, uh, Boaz was, a, was very much a, we're going to rehearse, uh, and we would, we would rehearse and he wouldn't necessarily be there, but he would come and check it out, but he would be like, you guys go rehearse, you know, rehearse amongst yourselves and stuff. Uh, and then when we would do the scene, he'd be like, okay, yeah, that's great. Is there anything you want to add to it? Um, I'm trying to think of if there were... I've had directors, I don't want to say their names. I've had directors be like, you know, uh, you stumbled on that line, there goes your close-up. I've had shit like that Ooh. happen before. Oh, yeah. fuck you. That's not going to help anybody. You know, uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, you and, have to find uh, a way to, to, to... I mean, my goal when I'm directing someone is all I want is for, for you to be great. How can I support that? Uh, part of it for me is creating an environment on the set. You know, Scrubs is the ultimate example. We had an environment that was so safe to experiment and to, yeah. and, to and to fuck up and 
it was you felt so safe. You felt the net under under the under the tightrope, if you will. Um, so I, when I'm making my products, I try and get, create that environment again where where you're safe. Like there's no wrong answer. Let's play because I think that puts actors in a, in a good headspace. Um, but I'm also making things so fast. You know, I'm every the three films I've made, I have to go so fast. Yeah. There isn't a whole lot of time to do like what Oliver Stone can do in the Philippines and be like, Johnny, let's walk. <laughs> if my walk producers, if I ever walk said to someone me. like, Natalie, let's walk, everyone would look at me like, what the fuck are you doing? We have a half hour left for the day. <laughs> that truly walk, is a luxury, man. It That's is a, luxury. a luxury. I hear stories about actors and directors going on like 45 minute walks while the crew waits, yeah. sometimes two hour walks while the crew waits. Yeah. And then they come back and the scene's different. Now we're going to relight it a different way. I've heard crazy ass stories about how. You know how uh, ego gets in the way of making movies and stuff like I that. I heard stories from um, that movie. Uh, what's the? Well, I, I should probably shouldn't call out what the movie is, but I heard stories of a movie star showing up. My friend was shooting the movie, and he said, "You wouldn't believe what was going on." Like the the movie star would show up and be like, "All right, well, we're obviously not saying any of this, so should we go talk about it?" Whoa. And it's like what? <laughs> like so, they would then go on like long, uh, like a, like a like a minivan ride and like rewrite the day's work, and that's how the day would start. I mean, that have, gives me anxiety even saying it out have, loud. Have you guys ever like this? It's happened once in my life, Zach. I know when it's happened with you, Johnny. Have you ever been so late in any way that you've uh, caused a day? Well, not a day, but you caused uh, a morning, I should say. We had a scrap the director. Movie? Like, not a, like not, not I've been, a, I've been so, I've been, chance. not a fucking chance. We're not, we're not, Johnny's not late ever. Johnny's early. Johnny gets okay. there at five in the morning and then goes back to sleep. That, that would <laughs> never happen, right? right? Never happen. That what happened to do? me. That happened to me once. Zach, I remember when it happened to you, but it happened. Well, mine to me. was an alarm clock malfunction, but go ahead. Bullshit. But anyway, what? Um, <laughs> I told this story on the podcast. Did I ever tell you the Henry Winkler story? No, please no. go on. Okay, so I was doing Clueless, the television show at the time, right? And Henry Winkler's directing the next day. It's Sunday night. He's directing on Monday. Um, and I'm geeked about it, but I also, I'm 20-something years old, and I live with a bunch of dudes, right? It's me, my buddies, it's me and literally three other dudes living in the house together. And on Sunday nights, I don't know where it was. I think freaking like uh, uh, Joseph's or or... Or some shit like that the was club. going off. You were at the the club was going off, right? Yeah. And so we went out, and I didn't get home until like four in the morning, smashed and hammered, and uh, I pass out. My call time's at 6 a.m. I'm doing Clueless at the time. I wake up, and it's 6.30, and I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, Henry gosh. Winkler's directing. So I throw on clothes, and I you know, jet to work. I get there. I put on, my costume is all in my, my trailer and everything. I throw on all my shit. And as I'm throwing it on, I can smell my breath and I still smell the booze on my breath. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God, this is going to be horrible. This is going to be horrible. So I run out of my trailer and I'm, starting, I'm jetting to set. And as I come around the corner, we were filming on the Paramount lot. And so you have to pass through the big Paramount gates, right? So I come running through the gate uh, toward the set and Henry Winkler sees me. Stands up, and it looked like he said to whoever the producer was or the writer was, he was like, that's him? Yeah, that's him? Okay. And he starts oh walking towards me. Oh, shit. And I'm like, oh, God, oh, shit. Holy shit. You fucking oh let down the fawns, bro. 
That was the first thing I'm thinking. Not only the fuck, forget, forget the cast and the crew and everything like that. Fucking Henry Winkler, the legend that he is, is right. about to fucking give me the business and I'm right. going to fucking eat it, right? And so he comes up to me and I take a deep breath to not breathe out so he can't smell this booze on me. Like, <laughs> right? And he goes, listen, we're not going to do this, okay? I don't, wanna, I don't want any shit from you. Okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna fucking do this. What we're gonna do is we're gonna go over there. We're gonna do the scene. Okay, we're gonna go over there. We're gonna do the scene. And I could tell he wanted to freaking give me the business, but he was like, "I don't know you. I don't want to disrespect you." And I I could I I'm pretty sure you don't want to try and disrespect me or anything like that. But come over here and give me your best, right? And it was just it was just like when we did the dance scene on Scrubs, where I where I'm doing the um dance to poison yeah. and i hadn't rehearsed it or anything like that and i just went in there and i did the dance right because it, part of it was because i was afraid for my life that bill was going to be like you know uh that's it you're fired so it was almost the same thing like i'm dancing on a table in the scene and i jump off the table into a split right <laughs> in rehearsal i do this shit because i'm so look i i the last thing i wanted was to let down you know, the fonts. And then when I get over there and I see Stacey Dash and Elisa Donovan and my boy Sean Holland and the crew and all of these guys looking at me uh, and, and uh, you know, giving me the face like, I can't believe you fucking let down the fonts. And it was like, all right, well, I'm going to give you guys a show. And I did. And, you know, my, my, my ever, point is. Did he ever take you aside and have a talk with you? That was a talk. It was a quick. It was one of those things where it was like, I, I'm going to come off like the boss right now. And the humbling thing is, is that I'm over here and I'm talking to you about this, but you know better than this. I shouldn't have to have this conversation with you ever. Mm. Uh, he, he didn't have to say to me, get your shit together. But it was all in the, I'm not having this conversation with you. You're way smarter than this. You know better than this bullshit. Let's get over here. Let's do the scene and let's make it right. Yeah. And I freaking. And then he fucking quit. hit a jukebox. <laughs> let's take a break we'll be right back after these fine words can i rant for a second please pay apps are way too public what happened some random hearted a payment from five months ago and i realized that people can see my entire history who i'm paying like full names that's super weird yeah it's weird how are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC terms apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know that feeling when you just have something you need to get off your chest? It's like a rain cloud following you around in your life. People all carry around different stressors, big and small. Everyone has stress, but we all handle it differently. When you keep your emotions bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. We talk all the time about how much therapy has benefited us. Therapy isn't just for those who have experienced a major life trauma. Therapy can help everyone with daily challenges with friends, family, and other relationships. 
relationships. If you're thinking of starting therapy, you should start with BetterHelp. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash real friends today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash real friends. JLab Audio is personal tech designed for you that fits your life, looks cool, and offers surprisingly awesome value. Imagine the products and features you actually want and make sure the entire experience owning them is a great one. Always packing the most functionality and fun into every product at a truly accessible price. Zach, mm. let me tell you, JLab has these new luxury over-ear headphones called the JBuds Lux ANC. Yep. These seamlessly blend innovation and lab quality sound, all in these sleek headphones that guarantee an elevated listening experience. You can connect to multiple devices, customize your sound in the JLab app, and get over 70 hours of playtime. Well, buddy, those sound pretty cool, but have you heard of the JBuds ANC3? They are the smallest smart active noise-canceling true wireless earbuds you can find. You can also connect to multiple devices, but these come with a built-in USB-C charging cable and a noise-canceling microphone for crisp, clear phone calls. Use Real Friends for 25% off your order. Visit jlab.com to find your kind of tech. Hey listeners, it's been over a year since my family switched to our first Helix sleep mattress. And let me tell you, we've never slept better at my house. If you're still sleeping on an old school spring mattress, you're not getting your best night's sleep. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including their award-winning Lux and ultra-premium Elite collections. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress, depending on the model. Don't want to take my word for it? Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash realfriends. That's helixsleep.com slash realfriends. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. I lied. I was late one time, yeah. uh, but it had, it wasn't my fault. Uh, I was doing, I had the actors, I had the New York actors dream of, uh, I was, I, I originated the play talk radio with Eric uh, yeah. Bogosian, who I yeah. brought on to scrubs as my shrink. Right. Thunderous and, applause, Dan. Thunderous applause. Thunderous applause. Uh, I'll turn my key for that, Dan. And so we're down at the public, which is right on Lafayette street there. And I, I was in it for almost two years because it was a good gig. And so during that run, Oliver wrote Wall Street and said, do you want to come down and, uh, and do Wall Street for uh, two and a half, three weeks? And I said, well, yeah, of course, but I'm doing, I'm doing this play. And he said, I'll have you wrapped in time and you can get up to the public and everything will be fine. And so I had the language in my contract, but I had to be wrapped at 730. We were down towards the Woolworth building. Um, in southern the southern Manhattan, and I had to be wrapped at seven thirty, and I just a straight shot up Lafayette. And I'd go in and make half hour. Half hours, you have to be at a 
Actors' Equity, which is the Actors' Stage Union, dictates that you have to be at the theater a half hour before the curtain. And I like to be there. I like to do a vocal warm up and stretch and all the, I like all that stuff. And yeah. so um, while we were down towards the Woolworth building, the days were going longer and longer. And, you know, Charlie and I, we had already spent four months in the Philippines and now we're with Oliver doing this uh, big thing for, I guess, Universal. And so the days are going longer and longer. And I have the superstition, just like uh, Lou Gehrig and Wally Pip, because a couple of years earlier, I'd been covering John Totoro and Danny DeLue City. I was his understudy and the assistant stage manager. And not John was a horse. He just never, he thought it was bad luck to let your understudy go on. And so I got that from John. And so I didn't want anybody going for me. And so no matter, and the, the clock kept ticking and I started getting there at 20 of and quarter of, and the stage managers come up to me, he goes, you can't do this. I'm like, yeah. listen, just look, I'm going on. So. And then <laughs> later and later. And so it got, one time I got there at places and I, I sprinted up to, I forgot which theater we were in at the public, but it was the new house or something. And I sprinted into the dressing room. I put on my wardrobe and the stage manager's like, no. And I'm like, call the cops because I'm going to kick the shit out of you unless you get out of the way. <laughs> and so I go on and Eric let me, kind of write a piece with him where this character gets to, he's in three quarters the whole play. So he's three quarter expo exposed to the audience in this proscenium stage. And at about 20 minutes into the piece, he turns around in his chair, a pin spot hits him. And then he walks down the closest you can be to the audience. The light cue up on the board is called down in one. I walk down in one a pin spots on me and I do this seven minute monologue about my relationship with Eric's character, Barry Champlain. Oh my God, I get a chill. Um, and about two minutes into it, I went up. Oof. I went up. For those of you who don't like give everyone the lingo, that means he forgot his lines. That's the actors say I went I, up. Oliver was just yelling at us all day and Charlie and I had been out till I God knows how late we were up the night before. But I, I, st I stood there with a pin spot on me, looking at, it was a pretty tiny house, maybe 350, maybe 325, I don't know how big it was, but it was packed because Eric was the, all the rage and the play was a massive hit and you couldn't get in. And I'm there and I co-wrote this motherfucking monologue and I can't remember anything, anything. And I'm looking out at them and I was crying inside. I don't think I cried out here. But I looked up at the light booth, even though you can't see anything, you can't see in front of you because the light's so bright. I looked up towards the light booth and I just nodded. And I went back to my chair and they called the next light cue and Eric started again. And then after the show, Eric's the biggest mensch on the planet. He just came up and he goes, you can't, you don't, don't, don't do that anymore. Don't do that. I'm like, okay. Oof. And the next night I, I, I did not go on and guess what? Everything was fine. Yeah. It turns out that the, the understudy was, he was fine. He went on and he was fine. So wait, Johnny, uh, your monologue is roughly seven minutes. How deep did you get into it before you forgot your lines? Two minutes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. That is the, I, I have this nightmare. If you're an actor, they actually call it the oh. actor's nightmare. You yeah. have, I have this dream where I'm go, supposed to go on and I don't know my lines at all, or I'm supposed to go on as an understudy for someone and I don't know my lines at all. I, I have that dream all the time. 
It's my I nightmare. do too. And, and now I so over-prepare ever since then. I so over-prepare. Even if you shot me in the esophagus, I'd still be able to continue and do the lines. I don't give two <laughs> shits. I don't care. I, don't, I have that, that nightmare, Zachy, too. And it just never again. And it's never happened again, ever. You know, my first uh, play was at the same theater, Johnny. Uh, first of all, I want to say quickly before I change this to, the, to that, um, Talk Radio is an amazing film mm-hmm. that you should all see um, with Johnny and Eric Bogosian and Alec Baldwin's in it, right? Yeah, and I didn't get star-fucked out of the, you know, usually if you create it, if you, it's called creating the play. If you originated the play, you're definitely not in the film. Definitely. Right. And I, I, I got to... That that was Albert and I did three in a row because that was the film he did after Wall Street. Oh, that's and interesting that you were. I, wait, sorry, that's interesting. You were doing Wall Street with Oliver, and then you're in simultaneously in the play, and then Oliver decides to direct the movie. So he must have seen the play because you're friends with him, and he came to see you in it. Is that how it was the genesis of it? No, I I I think it was so. It was such a subvert, politically subversive piece about Alan Freed, a talk show host, I think, in Denver. And Eric had loosely based it on that, that Oliver, that was right, right in his sweet spot. Uh-huh. And we went down to Las Colinas right outside of uh, Dallas. And we shot the whole thing in five, six day weeks. And so we're in Dallas and we didn't come up for air for five weeks. It was the best. Wow. That's a great film. I, I highly recommend it to everybody. But I want to say my very first part out of Northwestern was in uh, a production of Macbeth at the Public Theater in one of the tiny uh, spaces. And the cast was Alec Baldwin, Angela Bassett, uh, Michael C. Hall. Wow. Just uh, a good group uh, of actors. Yeah, really. Uh, who are their other? Uh, Jason Butler Harner, uh, really, really amazing actors. And uh, my, I, I was playing the two young roles, um, uh, Fleance and Young Seward. And I had to have a broadsword duel with Alec Baldwin. Now, I had never done stage combat. I, I went to school. I studied acting and filmmaking. But we never got around to, like, I never got around to taking a stage combat course. And George C. Wolfe, the director, very fancy director, decides that, that my character is going to fight Alec Baldwin not only with one broadsword, but he thinks it'd be cool if I was an extra badass. And now I'm going to fight Alec Baldwin with two broadswords. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> Now, I've never done, Alec is a scary motherfucker, and I've never done a single bit of stage combat, and now I'm going to do a dual broadsword stage fight with him. We get there day one and uh, for the reading, and I, I've never, I, I was fresh out of school. I think I'd never met a celebrity in my life before, and Alec Baldwin sits down next to me, and he goes, who are you, who are you? I'm Alec, who are you playing? I go, oh, I'm, I'm playing a Fleance, and I'm playing Young Seward, and he goes, oh, so I kill you twice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh he did he killed me twice eight shows a week and uh, i got it down it was like a, but it was scary as as fuck and uh i i i i fought alec on stage was bh was bh barry your your uh, combat coach i don't i don't recall who it was but the guy, he taught me well and i was just i never rehearsed something so much because I mean, I could have yeah. really, I could have really hurt. I mean, they're, 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 they will fuck you up. They're not sharp, obviously, but they will fuck you up. And I was so afraid that I was going to hurt Alec Baldwin with my two, my two broadswords. Hell yeah. You know what I find really funny? How quickly you forget the, the dialogue from shows that you rehearsed over and over and over and over oh. and over and over and over yeah. and over and over again, dude. 
It's like within a month to two months, you couldn't go up and do that show again. You know what I mean? You yeah, no chance. You, you know? But you've rehearsed it like it was your life, dude. For like it was your life. Yeah. Did you, Donald, did you ever uh, almost forget your lines when you were doing that play you did recently? Yeah, you know, I had one thing where it was like a bunch of math and stuff like that. And the math didn't have to make sense, but it had to be quick. Uh, and uh, one night, I did. I I didn't forget the line. I misspoke, and I said, "Oh, excuse me," in it, and then I kept going. And then after I went, it kind of threw the rhythm off for the show for the whole night because I said one line. You know what I mean? Mm. And it, and and it, it it really is a lesson that when you're doing a show, there's a rhythm to it all. You know what I mean? And if you stick to the rhythm every time, most likely you're gonna get a great performance. If you find the 100%. right formula and you stick to the rhythm. Every time, and you stick to the formula every time, it's going to be a good show. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And just by me saying, excuse me, it kind of fucked up the rhythm, and cues all of a sudden were a little bit late, and you know what I mean? And it was my fault. You know what I mean? And it was just because I said, excuse me. I, I could always tell with, with uh, when we were doing uh, Scrubs, and especially after about 12 episodes in, from 12 episodes on, I could always tell whether or not Billy had Billy Lawrence had done a pass on Cox because he he had written and I had a, adopted this kind of <laughs> Martin Scorsese on heroin syncopation for Cox and I also sometimes when I was bored I would start to play with the language a little bit which was irresponsible but I I get bored sometimes and. Uh, if Billy hadn't done a pass, I couldn't memorize the lines because they were written out of rhythm. And Donald, I'm just borrowing from what you said, mm. but Billy would do a pass on Cox. I'd be down in my rehearsal space, killing myself, trying to remember these disconnected fucking rants that somebody wrote. And then I, and I couldn't get them. And then Billy would do a pass and something as, as much as Donald, you even saying, excuse me, th that was out. And then boom, the flow and the rhythm and I could come in and I could, I could do it in Latin. But I, right. until Billy did a pass, because I'd get in there and I'd have the hissy fit. And I'd say, has Billy done a fucking pass on this thing yet? And they're like, no, he hadn't seen it. I'm like, well, don't, don't fucking send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> would that happen? You'd get sent it and memorize it and then it would all be changed? You must have fucking gotten livid. Every Monday morning. <laughs> so did you talk to Bill? You must have talked to Bill eventually and said, dude, you gotta fuck, you can't do that to me. Of course I did, but Billy was spinning as many plates as he, you know, one character among an ensemble of badass seven or eight of you. And you know, you you try to get Billy's attention and you can't can't always do it. I would go so nuts. I mean, for those of you who don't memorize for a living, it's easier for some than others. But these chunks that Johnny had to memorize in a short span of time is, is really hard because he has to say them so fast as he did so well. But the idea of spending a weekend memorizing that and then getting Woo! to work and there's a rewrite. <laughs> that's shit. Yeah. Dude, yeah, that's why you must have loved stomach. it. Even saying that, I get a knot in my stomach. That's why you must have loved it when he had no when he had no choice but to go with what was written because we didn't have scripts. And so he'd be like, yo, look, here's here's what we're gonna say right now. And he would write it while we were doing rehearsals and shit. And then he would hand it to you. And you'd be like, bet, no problem. Because he wrote it. It was in Cox's rhythm. Right. It was in that, that, whatever that syncopation Billy came up with, it was in that. And I could groove into it. 
but memorization memorization is like a muscle johnny i think and you no know really, question and you really had yours developed well i think you know yeah. when i've when i've just finished a play like i did romeo and romeo and juliet when i was fresh out of school and another one of my early roles and i mean basically the second you start talking you don't stop talking for two and a half hours and i the, even th thinking about it now i get anxious uh, this many years later, this was probably to, you know, 1998. But um, but but by the time the play was over, that muscle was so developed, I could just Absolutely. crush it. And I feel like as Cox, you had to do it so on the regular that you really just you must have had it so dialed. Like now, now that might be harder for you because you're not memorizing monologues every week. hundred percent. A hundred percent. I was doing I, uh, when I was doing um, uh, Bullets Over Broadway, um, we were in previews. And um, when you're in previews, that for those of you who aren't don't know that that means that the, the critics haven't come yet. You're still working out the play. You're still you know, the, the the writer and the director. They're changing things all the time. And then after opening night, then then the show is locked. So we're in previews, and, and Woody Allen, who wrote the play, is in the back of the the audience, and, and he's there. And he's when a joke doesn't work, he would he would give it come the next day and give us a new joke to try that night. But sometimes that was really hard because you had the whole play memorized, and he would just hand you a slip oh, of paper, God. and he'd be like, "Here, just just try this tonight." And you're like, try it where? Where? And you're like reading the paper and like scribbled handwriting. Like, try this where? Where does it go? Like, and then he and, and you'd figure it out. And then sometimes in the heat of the adrenaline of doing a show in front of 1,500 people, you'd forget. And I there was one time I skipped the new joke he wanted me to do, and uh, I saw him the next day and I said, Woody, I'm I'm really sorry. I I got a little frazzled and I I didn't even try the new joke he wanted me to try. He goes, Yeah, you you'd probably get a bigger laugh if you actually say it on stage. <laughs> JLab Audio is personal tech designed for you that fits your life, looks cool, and offers surprisingly awesome value. Imagine the products and features you actually want and make sure the entire experience owning them is a great one. Always packing the most functionality and fun into every product at a truly accessible price. Zach, mm. let me tell you, J-Lab has these new luxury over-ear headphones called the J-Buds Lux A-N-C. Yep. These seamlessly blend innovation and lab quality sound, all in these sleek headphones that guarantee an elevated listening experience. You can connect to multiple devices, customize your sound in the J-Lab app, and get over 70 hours of playtime. Well, buddy, those sound pretty cool, but have you heard of the J-Buds A-N-C-3? They are the smallest smart active noise canceling true wireless earbuds you can find. You can also connect to multiple devices, but these come with a built-in USB-C charging cable and a noise canceling microphone for crisp, clear phone calls. Use Real Friends for 25% off your order. Visit jlab.com to find your kind of tech. Hey listeners, it's been over a year since my family switched to our first Helix sleep mattress. And let me tell you, we've never slept better at my house. If you're still sleeping on an old school spring mattress, you're not getting your best night's sleep. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including their award-winning Lux and Ultra Premium Elite collections. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty. 
to try out your new Helix mattress, depending on the model. Don't want to take my word for it? Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash realfriends. That's helixsleep.com slash realfriends. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Kind is calling all flavor chasers. Hey, it's Zach here, and Kind has six new flavors for whatever you crave. Is it something sweet? Try the new seeds, fruit, and nuts bars with flavors like dark chocolate, raspberry, and pumpkin seed. They're made with sweet raspberries and cranberries. And the number one ingredient, seeds. And for something savory, Kind has you covered. Try their roasted nuts and jalapeno bars. Or grab the rosemary nuts and sea salt bars. Savory snacking has never been this delicious. I know your mouth is watering. I personally love the raspberry. Mmm, mmm, Donald. Let me tell you, I could eat 10 of those a day. Oh, really? Rosemary's mine. All six new bars are gluten-free and have at least five grams of protein. Kind always leads with nutrient-dense ingredients like nuts. Explore all the new flavors waiting for you, like strawberry sunflower seed, orange cranberry pumpkin seed, and paprika nuts and mesquite smoked sea salt. This is the bar for people who love real food. Try all the new flavors of Kind Seeds, Fruit and Nuts bars, and Kind Savory bars. Shop on Amazon today. Johnny, will you tell that story um, that I love that you told me once about Platoon, where you said um, you were all hanging by the pool when you realized that you weren't going to be in the movie? So because the conditions in the Philippines were so tense and so fluid, uh, and we were in something called a triple, they were fluid because there had just been a revolution. A guy named Ferdinand Marcos had lost an election to a woman named Cory Aquino, and Marcos wouldn't leave until President Reagan the president at the time gave him political asylum in Hawaii. So we should, that's why we were postponed. I left, I was doing um, Hamlet with Kevin Klein at the public and about a week into rehearsal, Oliver calls after the, I'd been cast in the film a year and a half earlier and then the money went away and he called me, he goes, McKinley, do you want to play the fourth lead? I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's Oliver Stone. Do you want to go to the Philippines? And I'm like, I would love to go to the Philippines, but I'm doing, I'm playing third guy on the left in, in Hamlet with Kevin Klein over at the public. And he goes, tell, tell Joe Papp that, that, that it's me. I'm like, oh, sure. I'm going to go talk to Mr. Papp and call him Joe. You know, it's like the Wizard of fucking Oz. And so... Uh, Rosemary Tischler, who was the casting person over at the public at the time, and a friend of mine from NYU, she came in and taught an audition class to us, and she's one of the great, great women ever. And I, I called Rosemary, I went to see her, and I said, uh, I, I got offered this movie, it's in the Philippines, and it would mean, mean, would mean me leaving rehearsal, but and just like anybody in New York, it'd be like crossing Johnny Friendly and on the waterfront. If she said, if you go do this film, you'll never work here again, I would not have gone and done the film. Neither would at any 
anybody in New York because once you get in that fraternity slash sorority yeah, it's very over clicky. the Shakespeare Festival, that you stay, you keep doing plays. And yeah. Rosemary said, well, uh, you're fine with me, but you're going to have to go see Joe. And I'm like, everybody stop calling him Joe. <laughs> and so I go in and he was, you know, he had a burner and he was this guy. He was way in the back of his fucking smoke. And so, you know, I'm, I'm knocking like I'm going to see the Wizard and the Wizard of Oz. And he goes, come in, Matt, come in. And so I go to see Mr. Pap, and I told him my story. And he goes, go, we'll do Hamlet again when you get back. And I was just like, I'm fucking crying even thinking right. about this story. I'm so happy they didn't prevent you from going. That would have been horrible. And so I go back. I was living in the funeral parlor at the time, one the, the nutri-only funeral parlor. And so I go up five stories, and I'm there. And a, a week or so after I, I removed myself from Hamlet, there's a fucking revolution in the Philippines because this guy, Marcos, won't leave. And so we get postponed for months and months and months. And the play opens and, you know, Vincent Canby calls it the most important Hamlet on these shores. Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting in the funeral parlor going like, oh, my oh God, God. God, I hate my life. I hate my life. And finally, we we get the green light to go because the revolution had, had subsided a, a little bit, but but not that much. And so... Uh, and in the meantime, this language had come out. A bunch of actors in New York, about five or six of them, circulated this language because we were going to go through this two and a half, three week boot camp. That if you got hurt in boot camp, um, you'd you'd get to do the film. And Oliver's like, no, if you get hurt in boot camp, you you get rotated out. You can't be a, a soldier oh, with a broken arm. No. And so I didn't sign it. And the five people who did uh, didn't go to the Philippines. And so. I finally get there and only to come to find out that it's a very tricky place. We're shooting in this triple canopy jungle, which meant there was vegetation at 10 feet, another vegetation at 20 feet, and then these monstrous trees at 50 feet. So it was very dark and, and swampy underneath these, these three canopies of, of flora. And we're shooting and there was no shot list because uh, Oliver had to change things every day and on the fly, which he did brilliantly. But the whole, there was three squads of eight. So there was 24 of us and every day everybody was called to the set. And sometimes you just sat there all day because you, you're not in the scene, you, you're not in the scene. And so it was about a two hour bus ride out to the place. And then you'd sit and you weren't in the scene. Then it's two hours back. And so this happened for a couple of weeks. And so Forrest Whitaker and uh, Johnny Depp and I uh, asked Oliver that if we weren't in going to be shooting that day could we stay at the hotel and he acquiesced and so we're finally sitting by the pool and we got what we wanted and forest i don't do a good forest imitation but forest comes over to johnny and he goes you, you ever get the feeling that while we're here we're not in the movie <laughs> we all started going back to the set every day and oliver would put us Oliver would put us on this mountain about a mile out of the frame <laughs> and we, and you weren't even a speck and he, you'd be back there and we started calling it power background. <laughs> and so guys were doing their best Brando a mile up a mountain <laughs> and we called it power background. I just love it. All, I just, I just love that you guys were like, all right, fuck this. We're not going to sit in the jungle. We're going to go sit by the pool. And right. then, and then it's like you, you, Forrest Whitaker, and Johnny Depp sitting there on your lounge, on your lounge chairs with a, with a, with a cocktail. And then all of a sudden, someone has the realization, you know, 
he's probably just improv <laughs> imp- improvising this movie, and we're sitting here at the pool. He was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Forrest, Forrest said, "I wish I could do a Forrest imitation, but he was like, if we're here, we ain't in the movies." <laughs> and he was up. right as rain. Yeah. And what a fucking amazing movie, dude. Great I think movie. it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Oh man. But I wanted to circle back to something that Donald said earlier that when you said when you said you could just trust the work and if when you stay in rhythm, when when you can let the work happen, for for me that was a big aha when I was with uh, Jim Mangold for the for that hiatus. It was that I was watching all these I was watching Ray Leota and Johnny and all the and Johnny Hawks and all these great actors and and I could see when Jim was directing them, sometimes you can see a director work better when you're watching them direct somebody else. And I was impacted by just how clean and without affectations, Jim wanted to style this piece. And I was like, that's what I'm doing. I'm going there. But in order to do that, you have to acquiesce. You have to, you have to like you were saying, you have to trust it a little bit. Mm. And that's hard. If, but if you're in rhythm and, and you can, and I, the verb to capitulate kept coming up for me and in my, in my dopey uh, composition books. And, and to capitulate is hard sometimes because somebody calls action and, and, and the trap is to want to drive the scene and, 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 and move the narrative forward. And like that scene with Zaki where, where, where at, the, at the end of 209, when, when Cox and him had that scene, it just sits. And yeah. the lens absolutely soaks it up because yeah. no one's trying to drive anything. You know, there's so much power in being able to just put a camera. It's interesting. We're talking about going back and forth between theater and film, because when you're in a play, you have to give a performance to the person in the front row and you have to give a performance to the person in the back row. Right. And, and there's a really it's a, there's a dance in being able to do that um, when you're in a film and the camera can be as tight on our faces as it is in that scene, an actor has to let go to, in order to do nothing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. there's so much power in just trusting the words and trusting the, the, the camera to capture you doing, I, I, I would say if I was directing that scene, Johnny, that we both love, I would say we both did almost nothing. We were just honest. But that's hard. That's very hard. It's counterintuitive, but that's hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Because we all want to go, we all want to go do something and have a moment. And sometimes there's so much more power in uh, in in doing nothing. But the style of the piece was to go do something, and it was for Donald to to just all of a sudden riff off a dance that was fresh and beautiful. And it was for you to look off the thing and have a fantasy, and then in the fantasy, you're 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 juggling, you know, stuff. You're juggling your father and. And, and the, the, the impetus of the piece was to drive it. Everyone was always, Judy was just driving stuff. Sarah was driving stuff. Mm. And then all of a sudden they go, that's hard. Yeah. That, that's agile. You gotta be, yeah. you gotta be in rhythm. Sorry, I keep stealing that from you, Donald, but you do no, but it's in true, rhythm. Man. It's true because that's the safe place. You know what I mean? The rhythm of it all is the safe place. Comedy is funny when the rhythm's right. It's not necessarily funny if your if your timing is off, right? So the safe place to find everything in comedy is within the pace of the show, right? So that that was one thing that would would always I always noticed that 
the show always got better towards the end of the season. Like we would come in hot and be so excited and there would be so much stuff that we're doing in the beginning. Because the writers were excited too. Right. And the writers wanted to show all these new tricks and all of these. Yeah, I'm going to show you what I got. But by the end of the season, that's when all of a sudden we're doing really good episodes. We should probably go to break. Well, we didn't do any breaks because this conversation was so darn interesting. Dan will have to put in fake breaks. I had a realization. We're going to call this episode, if it's right with you, Donald, A Conversation with Johnny C. McGinley. I like that. And then we'll redo, uh, in the next episode, we'll, we'll go do this episode because this was so interesting. I, I don't think we need to try and do anything else. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm, have a, I'm, sorry, have... I'm sorry I read, I, I watched the, the wrong wrong. No, one, it's a miscommunication. But, but gee, dude, I, I have a feeling everything we just talked about, you listening to you tell old stories is more interesting than anything Donald and I were going to say about, about this episode. Other than the fact that it's completely unrealistic that JD would not be able to get stimulated for Gift Shop Girl. That is impossibly false. It's not a believable <laughs> that thing is, for that television. That is impossibly false. I, when, when, that, when that shit happened, I was like, this... Is a television Listen, show. Listen, I don't want to minimize. I don't want to minimize. I don't want to minimize erectile dysfunction or losing one's libido from stress. I I know that's a fact and it exists. But one thing that is not a fact is that JD would not be able to get an erection for Gift Shop Girl. Sarah Lancaster, who played Gift Shop Girl, did yes. a fabulous job. By the she, way, Sarah. not only not only is Sarah Lancaster uh, very funny, but um, she's darn pretty and. Uh, I just I had a lot of trouble with the scenes where JD is unable to kiss her. Look, I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you, and I think Jerry Lewis always did this for himself as well when he was directing all his movies. Uh, uh, JD and his he, the women that he hangs out with, yeah, unrealistic. They, they're beautiful. Only only on TV, Johnny. Johnny. I mean, look I, who's I, I, talking, Johnny. Look who's talking. I know the you were just, first you were just making seasons, out with Heather Lockyer and Crystal. The Lawrence. first two seasons <laughs> of the show, all you're doing is making out with hot chicks. I know man. your two your two love interests are so far. Oh, actually, and and what's her name? That girl, that woman who was wonderful, Kylie Kelly Kylie Williams, who was absolutely beautiful. No, was that the one who was um, on the practice? What was her name? Yes, I, I sort of. That was sort of her name. Joelle, will you double check? We've yeah. spoken about her. She was really good and really pretty. She was great. Yeah, we always say JD did way better than uh, that is realistic. I mean, we have Amy Smart coming up uh, soon as a love interest. Oh my God, that's right. She was so. She, I'm sure she is so tasty, beautiful. Tasty coma wife. Tasty coma. Tasty coma wife. But we talked about we talked about gift shop girl for like the rest of yeah the She's rest a knockout. of. She's yeah. knocked out. I bet. Oh, by the way, gosh, by the way, beautiful. by the way, we're gonna go. We're gonna do this episode in a separate podcast. But we have to say one of my favorite lines is she goes, "Is that a roll of quarters in your pocket, or are you just having a good time?" And he goes, "And I pull out a roll of quarters." I go, "No, it's it's roll of quarters. It's actually laundry day." <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just said, all right. There was one line. There was one line that made me laugh, and I'm just gonna throw this out there, and then we can move on because we have our guest here. Yeah. But Todd goes, when you're walking down the hall and Todd goes, hey, how's your penis? It made me go all the way back to that one episode where Turk, uh, where, where you think Turk is having a problem getting it up. Mm. And Todd goes, oh, so when I saw you this morning and I said, how's your penis? Right. And you didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> 
I want to tell you a little trivia. When when that in that moment when 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 Todd says to me, "How's your penis?" On the day he Bangkoked me. Do you remember oh, I that? remember him doing that to you. Yeah, for those of you who don't oh, know, you Bangkok guys did it is. to each other every once in a while. It's yeah, there was there those were two of wait, them. We have to tell the okay. audience who might not know what Bangkok is. Uh, it's a juvenile game that men will sometimes oh. play with each other, where they hit each other's balls and then run away. Thus, and, and it, it, it starts. Oh. Off, it starts. Off, it starts off like this. What's the capital of Thailand? That's right. Bangkok. Yes, and then your penis gets hit, and you crumble over, and the person runs away. So I. Think oh, here's it, another one. Here's another one. This was back when Mitch Kupchak was the GM of the Lakers. Who's the GM of the Lakers? Mitch Kupchak, and you punch him in the dick. Kupchak. Okay. Well, I wouldn't have been able to answer that anyway. But uh, if you look at if you look on YouTube, I think it's the see it would be the season two gag reel or blooper reel. I think they put that on there because it was on camera. He hit my hit my balls and ran away, and then I. I, mean, I, I remember after. seeing that on the blooper reel. It was so painful. He really got me good. He bangcocked me well. All right, we have a so, caller. Wait, why don't we why don't we go to break just to give Dan one real break? Okay, and we'll be right back with Johnny C. McGinley. JLab Audio is personal tech designed for you that fits your life, looks cool, and offers surprisingly awesome value. Imagine the products and features you actually want and make sure the entire experience owning them is a great one. Always packing the most functionality and fun into every product at a truly accessible price. Zach, mm. let me tell you, JLab has these new luxury over-ear headphones called the JBuds Lux ANC. Yep. These seamlessly blend innovation and lab quality sound, all in these sleek headphones that guarantee an elevated listening experience. You can connect to multiple devices, customize your sound in the JLab app, and get over 70 hours of playtime. Well, buddy, those sound pretty cool, but have you heard of the JBuds ANC3? They are the smallest smart active noise canceling true wireless earbuds you can find. You can also connect to multiple devices, but these come with a built in USB C charging cable and a noise canceling microphone for crisp, clear phone calls. Use Real Friends for 25% off your order. Visit jlab.com to find your kind of tech. Hey listeners, it's been over a year since my family switched to our first Helix Sleep mattress. And let me tell you, we've never slept better at my house. If you're still sleeping on an old school spring mattress, you're not getting your best night's sleep. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including their award-winning Lux and Ultra Premium Elite collections. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10 to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress, depending on the model. Don't want to take my word for it? Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash realfriends. That's helixsleep.com slash realfriends. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Kind is calling all flavor chasers. 
Hey, it's Zach here, and Kind has six new flavors for whatever you crave. Is it something sweet? Try the new Seeds Fruit and Nuts Bars with flavors like dark chocolate, raspberry, and pumpkin seed. They're made with sweet raspberries and cranberries. And the number one ingredient, seeds. And for something savory, Kind has you covered. Try their roasted nuts and jalapeno bars. Or grab the rosemary nuts and sea salt bars. Savory snacking has never been this delicious. I know your mouth is watering. I personally love the raspberry. Mmm, mmm, Donald. Let me tell you, I could eat 10 of those a day. Oh, really? Rosemary's mine. All six new bars are gluten-free and have at least five grams of protein. Kind always leads with nutrient-dense ingredients like nuts. Explore all the new flavors waiting for you, like strawberry sunflower seed, orange cranberry pumpkin seed, and paprika nuts and mesquite smoked sea salt. This is the bar for people who love real food. Try all the new flavors of Kind Seeds, Fruit and Nuts bars, and Kind Savory bars. Shop on KindSnacks.com today. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We watch show with Zach All right, we're back. We have a guest, Michael, Michael Kratzley. Hey, guys. Hi, Michael. Welcome to, welcome to the show. Ladies and Thanks. gentlemen, thunderous applause for Michael Kratzley. You know, you're giving a lot of thunderous applause out lately. I, I, I really. I'm you're gonna, not going to turn the key. I'm not going to turn my key for that one, Dan. Turn your key, sir. No, no. Turn your turn key, your key sir. sir. Turn your key, sir. Turn your key, sir. All right. I, I don't. I, Michael better be good. I'm going to turn my key. All right. Thunderous turn, applause. There you go. Thunderous applause. All right, Michael. You. Welcome. You have you have a special uh, uh, Johnny C. McGinley episode. So ask. Give a question for. Any of the three of us. Well, I, I definitely have a question. I can kind of be for all of you guys. Sure. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a huge Scrubs fan. I, it's one of the reasons I'm actually a doctor. I went into medicine because of Scrubs. Oh, my God. Nice. So, wow. Yes. Right on. Thank you. Thank Every you. Patient's what kind of medicine life. do you practice, Michael? I'm a family medicine practitioner. I actually just finished residency like a month ago, and then I just took my board exam like a week ago. So I'm a full-fledged doctor at this. Congratulations. Point. Congratulations, man. That's incredible. Yes. Right and on, I just man. want to say on behalf Thunderous of all Thunderous applause, Dan. Thunderous I'm going to turn, turn my key. key. I'm going to turn, turn my key. key. But you're really abusing this, Donald. It's supposed to be used sparingly. <laughs> that, that is deservant. Okay. Is that right. even the right word? Deservant is not a word, but uh, you know what? It is. For... Joel nodded and said it was. Deservant? De- deserve with an A-N-T is not yeah. a word. Ask, ask, the, ask, the newly fucking, ask the newly licensed doctor. He doesn't know he's a doctor. He's not a fucking word Oh, really? They didn't, they didn't cover deservant on the fucking It's Latin. It's Latin. It's Latin. All right? Wow. Ah! 
Okay. Dan, Dan, for for using deservant thunderous booze, please. Thunderous booze. Turn I'm not your turning key. My key. Turn I'm not your turning key, my key, sir. I'm not turning, turning my key. I'm not turning my key. You're gonna have to blow my brains out. No way. Dan, mix this. Boo. No. All right. All right. All right. Michael, what's your question? So in my life, uh, things that happen in medicine or just in my general daily life kind of remind me of episodes or certain scenes or jokes or even fantasies from Scrubs. And they make me like almost laugh out loud at inappropriate times. Um, are there any things from the show, whether they're jokes or fantasies or scenes that like if you experience them in real life that kind of bring back memories and make you on the verge of laughing? Oh, I, I got one. Go ahead, Johnny. Billy did an episode where I'll get this wrong, but where when when somebody makes this sound, that it's it's usually not appropriate because when you go see a doctor, all you want the doctor to do is shrug <laughs> and go, yeah, uh, you know what? Let the intern do it because it's no big deal. But when a doctor goes like this, and so now when I go to the hardware store and I'll ask for a uh, for um, a, a hose to hose uh, elbow coupling joint for for some garden hose thing, and I see the salesman go like this. I'm like, just, just don't fucking don't do that. Don't do that. Mask it. This is not fucking leukemia. This is not fucking pancreatic cancer. This is a hose to hose elbow coupling joint. What the fuck are you doing this for? Wait, don't fucking making, do that. Is he making the noise because he's not sure he has it? Yeah. Well, it's just, it's things like, well, I don't know if we have that in stock. It's like, oh, well, then yeah. I can call Amazon and have it in 48 yeah. hours for free, you right. fucking dumbass. Oh, yeah. I get oh, it. Yeah. Sound. If I your doctor it. does it, it usually means, oh, shit. And I, yeah, I you don't want your doctor doing that. Yeah. And Big Billy, Billy wrote a whole, like, B or C story about that one episode. And whenever I see a waiter, when I'll, I'll ask for uh, crushed red peppers on the side and they go, I'm like, don't fucking do that. There's a jug of McCormick's crushed red peppers this big back in the kitchen. Would you like me to go show you where it is? Don't fucking go. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, that's pretty good. Donald, do you have anything like that? I, I don't, man. I, I, I don't I know can't, if I can top I've that a, story. I don't anyway. anything that can top that, dude. All right. That's where we're going to go with Johnny's answer on that. Michael, do you got another one for us? Um, I, so my brother's a huge fan as well. And he would be very angry at me, my brother Ben, um, if I didn't ask a question that he was trying to convince me to use as my question when he found out I was going to be on it. So Go he ahead. said he wanted to know specifically for you, Zach, My Way Home is his favorite episode. And he wanted to know how much different is it to direct people that you like actually know compared to directing in a different situation? Um, that's a great question. Um, I was blessed that this cast was totally, um, supportive and embraced me to direct them. I think that, you know, it's always a tricky situation. Um, I imagine on a show when, when someone finally goes, Hey, I'd like to direct us all. I mean, we're all equals. We're all a team. And, I imagine in in sports playing, uh, even though I don't know that world, it would be like if someone on the team was like, I'm now going to coach. He'd be like, fuck you, Stan. You're the forward middle. Or whatever that is. Um, oh, is that a position, forward middle? Okay. Yeah, sure. I'm sure in some sport there's a forward middle. I don't know. Maybe in high lie. Oh, like, exactly. Like, 
fucking like Quibbit or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and Quibbit. We did that on purpose, Zach. Quidditch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let me use the sports analogy further. No, um, you know it is it is tricky, but but it all but the cast. If you're fucked, if if, if your cast and your friends are like, oh god, you don't know what you're doing, and I'm not just saying this because these two guys are here. They universally could not be more couldn't have been more supportive. They were rooting me on. They were they were even. It's so hard to do it in five days. And Donald, because he was be on his best behavior, he would like be there right away for other directors. He would dude, take I like, would know my lines. He would be like, dude, there was a, maybe only one episode where I didn't know my lines. And I realized I was like, look, I can't do my boy like this ever. Yeah. Again. Yeah. But from here on would, out, no matter what, I'm going to have my shit together, especially when he's pretty much only when he's direct. Who's recording? Oh, we ain't going out this week. Who's, who's shooting the show? Well, I'm not going out this week. I'm going to take would, my time and learn would, my lines for ZB. I would text Donald. And be like, um, bro, um, I love you. Um, this you have week, a monologue tomorrow. I'd, no, I'd be, I would. I'd be like, I'd be like, I, you know, I'd be planning the week, you know, because on Sunday night you're like so nervous. It's, you know, directing is a hard period, but directing a single camera TV show in five days is like so advanced. This double block diamond. It's like you got to do it and do it fast. And I remember being on Sunday night, being like, oh shit, okay, I got to warn Donald that he needs to learn that monologue. And I, so I would call him and be like, or text him and be like, dude. Big monologue for you on Wednesday. You want to start working on it now? And I'd be like, can you please come to set right away? Like, none of this fucking bullshit. You're playing fucking whatever video game you're playing in your room and taking <laughs> 20 minutes to come to set. Because remember? No, yeah. And uh, and he would. And this is what he would come wow. right away. And But it was awesome because Johnny, you know, you know, you, you, you guys, the audience can tell from the conversation we just had. We Both Donald and I look up to him so much as an actor. And he's the kind of person that I could go up to him and be like, John, that was awesome, but do you want to try one? I had this idea. Do you want to try one where it's a little more like this? And, and you know, he, that's going to go two ways. A guy with a huge ego and who's an asshole is going to be like, no, that's good. Move on. Or Johnny, the polar opposite, is like, oh, my God, that's fucking awesome. Let's try it. Hell, and, yeah. And that was the attitude everybody had when I directed the show. It was awesome. They were so supportive, and, uh, and, and I, was, I was so lucky. I was so lucky. And especially since Donald was the one okay, I directed like seven episodes. It was like the only time Donald ever knew his lines. <laughs> yeah. so, hey. um, all right. All right, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for becoming a doctor. I want you to know that every life you save, we're going to take credit for. Uh, I, I, I am okay with that. I'm just You're, welcome. And, uh, You're welcome. Please, please be safe, Michael. Please be yeah, safe. Yeah, take care of yourself, man. And don't make I that will. noise that Johnny C. doesn't like when someone when you have to give somebody bad news, okay? I'll reserve it for very, very bad news. Yes. <laughs> okay. And, um, and, and, um, and, and don't say, you know, when my doctor checks my prostate, uh, he, when he pulls his finger out, he says, was that, was that as good for you as it was for me? <laughs> and I'd, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't do that. <laughs> Dude, you, you, you know you could sue your doctor, right? No, I have, a very, I have a doctor who prides himself on being outrageous, and if you're not down for that, you just shouldn't go to this doctor. I see. Um, so he because says, I, would, I would be a little upset if my doctor... Imagine your doctor was like... No, never mind. There's a doctor... Uh, yeah. Never mind. Listen, I'm not... We're good. Okay. Michael's not going to be that kind of doctor. Michael, no. be safe, and, uh, and thank you so much for coming on the show. All right. Thanks, All right, thanks man. Thank Bye, you, man. brother. Bye, Michael. Bye. Um, wow. Wow. What a, what a show. I think this actually turned out to be a much better episode than it could have been because, uh, we had, we had, a, we had, we, this is going to be called, I want it to be labeled Joelle, a chat with Johnny C. McGinley. Noted. 
I think it's nice when we show the audience the seams a little bit, if you will, that, hey, we fuck up. And you know what? In fuck ups come beautiful things sometimes like like this episode. Well, yeah, you know, it's it's not always that you get to hear the uh, adventures of John C. McGinley. By the way, I would listen to a podcast that was just called Johnny C. McGinley Tells Anecdotes from His Career. Yeah, cause I, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know that you did that. You had done that many shows at the public, man. I didn't know that you were a big Shakespearean actor uh, in your uh, younger years. Have you ever thought about going back and doing stuff like that now? Well, Zachy came to see me. Thank you, Donald. In um, Glengarry, we did a revival um, a couple of years ago with Al Pacino and Bobby Convalli and Richard Schiff and Amazing. Uh, David Harbour. Amazing, Dude. and it was. It was the single most exciting thing I've ever done, but by far. And uh, I, I think that when when you guys, what I'll pivot off of that for a second. What what you just said about uh, mistakes spawning um, nuggets, it, it makes me it makes me go back to with that when you're if there is such a thing, and I know Donald Zach, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you can, when you're in acting shape, and and, and you're just nimble and you're agile cerebrally and, and your instincts, your acting instincts, and you can't fake this stuff. You're either in acting shape or you're not. And the only way to be in acting shape is to just continue to spend time in front of the lens. That's the or continue to do performances of a play. Mm -hmm. And when mistakes happen, when you're in acting shape, when you're just so agile, it, it spawns nuggets. Mm -hmm. And one time, what makes me think of it was I decided before we went over to the Philippines that uh, Sergeant O'Neill, which is the name of the character I got to play, and then Tom Berenger's uh, character, uh, Barnes, uh, that I was just going to do everything I could, like a, like a pilot fish on a shark. I was going to do everything I could to, to help to have him facilitate me, that character, getting the fuck out of Southeast Asia. And so whatever it took, and it wasn't on the page, but I decided whatever it took. And so I, I told Oliver this. He's like, yeah, do that, McKinley. Do, do, be a pilot fish. I love that. And so we're at this one night. We're, at this, uh, we're assigning a, a night operation. And Tony Todd's over there, and Willem's here, and Mark Moses is here, and Tom Berenger's next to me. And I, I got this Zippo, and I because Tom's character smoked a lot, and I always was going to do this no no look Magic Johnson light of his cigarette, and then act like it was no big fucking deal. I was just going to throw a no look, and I saw out of my periphery Tom was pulling a a cigarette out, and I did a no look light, and I snapped that Zippo back, and I put it back in my in my thing, and I could see everyone in the whole scene stopped. And they were looking at me like I was the biggest dick on the planet. And I carefully got nervous telling the story. I carefully looked over at Tom and I missed the light. And I took the thing right the fuck back out and I lit that cigarette and the scene continued. And that's what's in the movie. Because it's, wow. there's no acting. Wow. Wow. There's me horrified. And right. Willem looking at me like I'm real. such a dick. And I Tony Todd looking at me like I'm an ass. I love that Oliver put that in the movie. Yeah, that's fucking dope, dude. Cause that's, but that's who that character was in that movie too. Yeah, but it's also, my point is that I'll go third person, that the actor playing Sergeant O'Neill didn't all of a sudden call cut or walk yeah. out of the scene. Yeah, or he's fixed it. Yeah. He's right. fixed it. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then, and then a great director like that's going to go, that's fucking real. I'm putting that's that in gold. the movie. Yeah. 
and it's it's maybe a, a thousandth of a second. But but if if and when you ever watch it again, you'll you'll see it. It's a fuck up, and I Oliver it. kept it in, and it's genius. It probably gets big laughs in the movie too when it happens. It's probably one yeah, of those because I'm, it's it exposes just what a pilot fish this guy is. Yeah, yeah. This has been awesome. I want to remind the audience that the play Johnny's talking about is a movie that is one of my favorite films. And if you haven't seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, uh, I think it's a masterclass in acting. And uh, we always recommend films to you on this podcast, but uh, you should start with Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Right, Don? Very different than the play, though. The, the film is very casual and it kind of unfolds on a rainy night. And the, the play, David wrote the whole thing as a one act, he told me, but then he found out you, one acts can't win Tony's. He split it up into uh, two acts. But the first act is about 32 minutes hmm. and you're out having a cigarette outside the Schoenfeld. And then the second act, obviously, the real, not obviously, the real estate gets, office gets robbed. And that's the second act. But the first act is all of 32 minutes. It's an incredible piece of writing. Boom. Incredible piece of writing. I want You're to tell on 44th you, Street. I want to tell you my, my only David Mamet experience. Actually, there's been two. I'm going to tell you both of them. First time, first of all, I love the movie's one of my favorite films. And I'd never seen the play performed. Now, I did know the trivia that Alec Baldwin has a legendary monologue in the movie that, uh, that is fucking incredible. But it's not in the play. So I see uh, David Mamet uh, backstage somewhere, and I'm so nervous, and I go, oh, my God, what am I going to say to David Mamet? I'm having a Donald Faison when we talk, Johnny, often on the podcast about how Donald gets nervous around celebrities and always embarrasses himself. So I'm, I'm, I'm I can't like, help it, Johnny. I can't like, help it, man. What am I going to say to David Mamet? I don't know what to say to David Mamet. And, uh, uh, and, I, and I think, oh, okay, I got an idea. I got an idea. And um, I walk up to him. This is, this is long before your, the revival you did. It was a different revival that was, com- it was coming up. Uh, this is how long ago it was. And I said, um, uh, Mr. Mamet, I-, I just wanted to know, um, in the revival you're doing, are you going to put the-, the monologue that you added for, for Alec Baldwin in- into the play? And he looked at me like I just shit in his fucking coffee. Like such distaste. And he's like, why would I do that? That's from the movie. I'm not going to put that in my play. And I was like, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. I agree. Good choice on that, Mr. Mamet. I'm going to go away now. <laughs> um, you want to know you want to know you want to know another layer to that story? Yeah, yeah. I asked uh, I didn't ask him. David told me that before they greenlit the movie, whoever produced it, uh, whichever studio it was said, uh, we need we need a special effect. We need something to happen. In, you need a car crash. We need something in the first act. Open it up, as they say. The special effect was Alec's monologue. Yeah. Wow. And it that's is how explosive, effect. that's how great Alec was and the writing was in that. Because in the play, he's an unseen offstage threat. But Got we it. never see him or yeah. hear Got him. But, I mean, but Alec- he's referenced constantly. Alex, in my opinion, a very underrated actor. Uh, I agree. Are you, people- I, I was about to say, I, I, listen, I, I agree that I don't know that he's under. I think he's, he's one underrated, of the best. dude. He's underrated. I think he's people, one think, of the best, people think he's. I think he's people, one of the best actors out there. Is my right, point. I'm just saying that he's famous and people's famous. He's famous and he gets a lot of shit for his tabloid uh, <laughs> adventures and 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 his politics, whatever. But fucking the guy's a really good actor, and that no, dude, monologue is one of the fucking greatest moments yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. question. 
Coffee's uh, for closers. Holy shit! And then my second, uh, my girlfriend and I were were uh, were staying in a hotel in London, and and he came in. He was doing a play in London recently. Um, forgot Malkovich was the star of it, I believe. And, uh, and oh right, and we were alone. It was late night, and we were alone in this little uh, bar lobby area. There was like it was like a, they call this thing. They have this thing in England that that works there, but would never work here. Called an honor bar. So it's just a, an area of a hotel with a with a where you just take whatever you, and you write down on the pad. Oh right, what you're taking. <laughs> I don't think that would work in uh, at least it wouldn't work um, in in L.A. But um, it would you, not. Uh, it would they, not work at Joseph's. You're right. I don't think it would work anywhere. Can you imagine? Uh, but anyway, in London, you write down like I had one vodka soda, and then they charge it to your room. So we're sitting there. My girlfriend and I are alone in the honor bar, and in walks David Mamet. And it's just the three of us. And I go, yes, and in my, head, I'm going, and in my head, I'm going, oh, my God, don't fuck up this time. Don't full fuck circle. up this time. <laughs> don't mention Glengarry Glenn Ross. Don't be an asshole and mention Glengarry Glenn Ross. The guy just wants to get a drink and go to his room. Oh. Well, I had had a few. <laughs> and, uh, and I say, Mr. Mamet, oh, my God. I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> my name is Zach. Uh, this is Florence. Would you want to join us? And. He goes, okay, okay, sure, sure. And I could tell he was stressed. He'd had a, a night of probably rehearsals or previews or whatever. He makes himself a drink. He sits down. There's like a long pause. And I go, I just have to tell you, I'm Glengarry Glenn Ross. And oh, I start God. going off on this Glengarry. Yeah, I'm being Donald. I go off on this long Glengarry Glenn Ross spiel about how amazing it is and da 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 And he just kind of nods his head. And he goes, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head to bed. It was nice talking to you guys. And he left. Oh, oh. And he left. He just left us. <laughs> Those are those moments. Those are one of those moments where you wish you could talk about sports, Zach. You know I, I mean? know the guy didn't want to talk about Glengarry. The guy can't leave his fucking room without talking about Glengarry and Ross. You think he wants to? He came in to have one drink, and if I. If you fucking... could have been like, you know, are you a Bears fan? Yeah, I could have said, do you, do you play middle do you like forward? Chel- do you like Chelsea or United? Yeah, I could <laughs> say, I could say, is deservant a word? <laughs> You're a good writer, sir. Is deservant a word? He wasn't deservant of the attention. You know what? I agree with you, Donald. Him. I agree with you. That 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 genius writer was not deservant of my affection. Oh. <laughs> All right, we should end this fucking show because oh, uh, the audience is deservant of a break. Yeah. Um, thank you for thank listening, you everybody. This was so fun. We're going to call Johnny, it a conversation on, with Johnny C. McGinley, and we will uh, we will uh, be back. Uh, Next week to, uh, or we will be back, I don't know when it is, next time to sum up the episode and we will talk about Gift Shop Girl at length. Gift Shop Girl does a lip bite, by the way, made famous first by Elisa Silverstone in Clueless. And I, I, oh. I'm, a, I'm a fan of the lip bite, I must say. But more I, on that next time. What, Donald, do you have a comment on the lip bite? I, I was just going to say, I was, a, I was a huge fan of you being alone in a tub with Rowdy. One of my favorite then- gifts. It's my favorite gift of myself. And then that turning into you alone in the tub with gift shop girl and rowdy. There is no better wow. way to some express my 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 often inner monologue in life, in my true real inner inner monologue in life, than me alone, um, sadly uh, uh, washing a dead dog. <laughs> Donald, will you count us in to our beautiful theme song, please? Thank you, everybody, for I listening. Play, I want to play. There's no way. Okay. Okay. Let's. No that's a great idea. Oh do you want to do you want to take a chance at at, uh, at talking up into it? Because I've been the one who's been lucky enough to do that thus far. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Give it up for the President of the United States of America, Donald Trump, singing his summer bop. There's no way I could get down off that ramp. He said, there's no way, there's no way I can make it down that ramp without falling on my ass. There's no way, there's no way, General, something grab you so fast. I don't want that. And this was a steel ramp, really, really steep. No hand, girl. It was like an ice skating rink. I said, there's no way. Probably 10 yards long. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, it's simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. You can learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Did you know that 46% of us don't take all our vacation days? Even though it's been proven that taking time off to play makes us more productive. In California, no matter where you go, you'll find play. Explore a redwood forest, immerse yourself in art galleries, or just park yourself in a beach chair and chill. Play is everywhere in California, so take some well-deserved playtime off and discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Hey, it's Donald, and Kind Snacks has six new flavors for you to crave. Flavors like rosemary, strawberry, jalapeno, and raspberry. Each of the six flavors is made with number one ingredient seeds or nuts and has fruity or savory flavors depending on what you're craving. They're gluten-free with five to six grams of protein in every bar. Nutritious snacking doesn't have to be all blah and boring. The bar for people who love real food. Try all the flavors. Shop on Amazon today.